together we say, Hallelujah. Thank you. This is what we're going to do. If you can open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 15 and then just sit it on your lap. We're going to be there like in 10 minutes. Everyone say 10 minutes. Thank you. Uh, I just need 10 minutes of your attention. After we receive about 10 minutes of your attention, I'm going to go into Mark. And we're going to jump into Mark. Uh, I just need you to catch this, chapter 15. After we're done with Mark chapter 15, we're going to jump to Judges chapter 16. And we're going to close off with Mark again in chapter 16. So, so we're not going to be all over the place, but we're going to be in the Bible, um, not to say. So here we go. Uh, today's message is titled The Comeback, uh, The Greatest Comeback of All Time. And um, it was a sorrowful week. The Wednesday, the Heat lose the losing streak. And I said, man, I should not have mentioned anything on Sunday. Because now on Wednesday, they lose the losing streak. But whatever. And I went to sleep a little upset over a little dumb basketball game. And then next thing you know, my wife a couple hours later off I'm upset, wakes me up. We're having a baby. So that kind of went away. And um, that was good. God is good. Amen. But today I'm going to talk about the greatest comeback of all time. And um, I hope you're blessed by this. As God put this on my heart and the way that God put it in my heart was pretty cool. It happened right before the time that the baby was born. So he, it, it's just God's timing. so cool. So I told the guys in the back, today I'm going to do my best to try to preach about Jesus and not Jackson. So, so I'm just joking. Come on, guys. Get some, get some laughter in today. Amen. Is God dead? He's alive. Amen. He's alive, right? God is good? All right, good. Now the time. Let's jump into this. The comeback part five. This is the greatest comeback of all time. Um, I want to talk about this because as you look at comebacks, and that's what we've been talking about for the last five weeks. As you look at comebacks, we've heard and maybe we've even witnessed some of the greatest comebacks um, stories of our time or maybe even seen someone like ESPN Classic or you've heard from family members and maybe you've witnessed it because you've been there and you've you've heard these comeback stories and in the last four weeks this is what we've done here at church maybe you're here today and you haven't been here for the last four weeks but this whole month of March what we've been doing is focusing on this phrase the comeback and we've had some amazing services and some amazing messages that the Lord has given us We've discussed some great comebacks found in the Bible and how they relate and how they point to the most important figure or the most important person in history, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? I always tell people that everything in this book is either talking about Jesus or pointing to Jesus. Don't get it wrong. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Now, we can't spend five weeks talking about comebacks and not mention the greatest comeback of all time. For some of you Hurricane fans, I'm going to say the greatest comeback is when I saw Doug Flutie tear out the heart out of the Miami Hurricanes, okay? Some of you guys might mention other stories, but I have a better story for you today. And I'm sure churches all over the world have a better one, but I'm going to twist it up a little bit for you. And um, we're going to talk about the greatest comeback of all time. Because it's interesting as you sit there and you start to think about it, the greatest comeback of all time is not found in an NFL game or in a Super Bowl game, in an NBA game or the NBA Finals, there's been some good ones, um, baseball game or a World Series, there, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are great ones there, but the greatest comeback of all time, we all know what it is, it's that of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We know that. We know that for a fact as believers. If you're not a believer today, we hope that you understand that today. Because have you thought about this today as you've been sitting here? Have you, thought, have you thought about this? That no one today is really talking about the Super Bowl champions of five years ago? 
If I ask you right now who's the Super Bowl champions of five years, you're going to have to start going back. Of course, Danny, you might know it, right? But you might have to go back and you might have to count them, right? Some of you are counting them right now. Come on, come on, I want to guess it. That's sad. They're Super Bowl champions. You should know them forever. Hey, the truth is, many of us here today, we walked into church, and not one of us have even talked about this year's Super Bowl champions. We already forgot about them, the Ravens. Who cares? They're done. They're also news. New season. Come on. That's how life is. Okay, no one today is talking about that. But the truth, as you read the Bible, you look at a story over 2,000 years ago. That's what we're going to talk about. Jesus. Jesus Christ, man. A man died. And as he died, that cross was up here. But picture this wooden cross. And they put a title over this man's head. And the title over the head of the cross was put, but watch, as a form of mockery to the man that was nailed to the cross. That's, that's serious. And they titled him this, here is Jesus, the king of the Jews. You and I might look at it and say, amen. But the reason why they put that is because this is how they really said it. Hey, here's Jesus, the king, the so-called king of the Jews. <laughs> That's how they really meant it. And they put that title at the head of the cross as a mockery. And as Jesus was on that cross, church, I need you to, I don't even know how to picture it. You look at movies like The Passion, and really, if you study, if you look at a historian of how Roman crucifixions used to be done, even the passion of the Christ doesn't give justice to what really went down with Jesus on the cross. Amen? Amen? Okay, I thought I was at another church. Here we go. And, and, and as this happens, people begin to insult him with shameful and cruel and insulting words. Some of them walked around and walked in front of the cross and listened to some of the things that they said to him. If you are the son of God, if you are. If, if you are the son of God, are you, are you crazy? If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, he told, they told them, call the angels down and tell the angels to free you and take you down from this cross. You got to be kidding me. And they mocked him and they screamed at him, not to mention, not to mention, he'd been almost beaten to death already. His body was torn. His face was unrecognizable. If you study scriptures, his beard was also what? Ripped off. Can you imagine growing a beard out and ripping that sucker out? Can you imagine the pain? After also, your back has been opened wide by these nails that have, whatever, doesn't even get into that. And then you look at that and you say, well, there it is. There it is right there. There it is. Because we turn on the news and we hear about murder, we hear about rape, we hear about stealing, and we hear about all these crazy crimes, fraud. Fraud's happening now more than ever, right, with taxes and all fraud. And you hear all these things, and right there, you read the Bible, you say, there it is, right there, right there, right there. The greatest crime of all time, the greatest crime was what they did to Christ on the cross. Let me tell you why it was one of the greatest crimes of all time. Well, let me tell you why it was the greatest crime of all time. Because his deity, his deity was rejected. They did not see Jesus as God. Are you guys with me? That's one of the greatest things that you and I could do. One of the worst things, sorry, 
the greatest worst things that you and I could do. It's coming before this Jesus who is God and not treating him like he is God. You, you guys with me? And here are these Roman soldiers and here are these bystanders and they're yelling at Jesus and his deity is being rejected. And most standing that are there looking at this man nailed to this cross didn't even believe in his deity that this Jesus was God, that he was God in the flesh, the very son of the living God who was one with God. They did not believe it, but they rejected it. And they chose not to believe in their hearts. The Bible, it shows how their hearts were hardened. Their eyes were scaled. Their minds were limited. They rejected the truth, which in John chapter 8 verse 32 teaches us that that is the very own truth that you shall know that shall eventually what? Set you free. They were rejecting the truth that would one day set them free. I'm going to stop. You know how I like to say this. I say this every once in a while on Sundays. I'm going to stop the video on Calvary for a second. You picture Jesus. You picture the bystanders. You picture the people screaming, the people hitting him, ripping his beard, cursing at Jesus. Because trust me, there was a lot of profanity around the cross. You, you guys understand? It wasn't like, it wasn't like, ah, oh, pigeons, while Jesus was dying. And blood. it was like, it was bad. It was demonic. There was, there was, the, the demons were there and they thought they were winning. And God was all like, no, 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 no. I'm going to resurrect them. We're going to resurrect them. But let's not jump into that. But, but it was bad. It was death. It was dark. It was bad. Nothing beautiful. Oh, the cross is so cute. No, no, nothing's cute. We wear it on our chains. We hang them on our walls. But there was nothing cute, okay, about the cross. We're going to stop the, 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 the video. And we're going to rewind the video all the way to the Old Testament. And we're going to jump into Judges chapter 13 really quick. And in Judges chapter 13, we're introduced to a character in the Bible. I need you to, I'm just going to flow through this very gently. Watch this. I'm going to teach you guys and flow gently through this. And then we'll be done. And we let you on. All right, here we go. And in Judges 13, as we're introduced to this character in the Bible, and it's a character that I've learned since I was a child. I actually like his story. Because let me tell you a little bit about me. How many of you here like eat on bed for all my Hispanics? Eat on bed. Um, white people, don't worry about it. I'm going to translate for you. Eat on bed. Eat on bed. All right. All of everyone else. Iron beer. How many of you like iron beer? Iron beer. Watch this. Watch this. I would love, I, so today that's my favorite drink. Eat on bed. But let me tell you why I used to love iron beer. I used to love iron beer. I used to drink iron beer as a little kid. I used to chug those things out. Eat on bed. Let me tell you why. Because I would look at that can, and that can would preach something false to me. I thought that if I were to drink this magical juice called iron beer, that I was going to be, I should have brought an iron beer can. I was going to have the muscles of the iron beer man. Okay? Now that was me growing up. I thought that I was going to be just, so I would drink iron beer, but instead, yeah, everything, it's totally, it's totally the opposite. It's lies, false advertisement. It's bad. I should get sued, but let's not even get into that. But this iron beer man has nothing to do with that drink. Trust me. You might feel like that while you're drinking it, my goodness. But 10 minutes later, it's not what's happening. I love the story of Judges 13. Because if I could picture how this guy looks, it's like Mr. Iron Beer. And it introduces us. And before we jump into this character, we got to understand the children of Israel. The children of Israel, again, had done evil in God's sight. Everyone say, again. Yeah, just like us. We do it again. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and God's in heaven. Like, Come on already. So here are the children of Israel and 
again, they do evil in his sight. So the Lord now delivers them to the hands of their enemies. And the hands of their enemies, the name, are, the name of their enemies are called, they're called the Philistines. The Philistine people. You ever heard of the Philistines? All right, good. And then the Bible describes to us in Judges 13, there's got to be a hope for Israel. There's got to be a judge that is going to be lifted up and bring judgment towards the enemies. And it's going to bring comfort to the children of God. So God elects and chooses and picks up this man, or at this time a young child, before he was even born. And he tells his mom, Mama, he's going to be a Nazarite with a Nazarite vow. You never cut his hair. You never drink any kind of wine or any kind of alcohol in your system. And he gives him a set of rules. He says, because this child is going to be pure and holy before God with a will of God established over his life. Mama was like, all right, I've been praying for a child. Amen. The boy is born. His name is Samson. If you're watching the history, Samson was pretty serious in the History Channel Bible show. But watch this. Samson is born. Samson is introduced to you. And then we start reading some amazing stories about Mr. Samson. Mr. Iron Beer Man. You start reading stories of Samson and how he tore a lion apart with his own hands. Wow. You, you, hey, listen. You go to Metro Zoo. And you tell Mr. What's his name? Don Miguel, the president of there, whatever his name is. You go to the president, CEO, founder of Metro Zoo. And you say, sir, I want to try to devour this lion with my bare hands. Can you let me in the lion's cage? You know what's going to happen to you, right? You're crazy. He's going to kill you. You're nuts. But here's Samson, and he tears apart a line. The Bible says, hey, not with anything else but his own hands. He wanted, they wanted to make sure that you knew it was his hands. He was powerful. Not only that, but Scripture also teaches us how he grabbed the Philistines, got him so mad because of something that they did with his wife. And I don't have time to explain to you the whole story of Samson. But they took his wife away from him pretty much. And he got so mad, he's like, I'm going to get back at them for taking away my wife. He grabs 300 foxes and he begins to tie the foxes' tails to one another. 300, that's a lot of foxes. You know what that means? Samson was fast trying to find all the foxes and he puts them all together and he ties them all together. So not only was he strong, Iron, Iron Beer Man is fast too. I mean, he's intense. Watch this. And as he begins to tie their tails, he puts a torch in between each tail. A torch, meaning fire. And this is what he does. Giddy up, go. And he drives 300 foxes together with tails lit up by torches, to the middle uh, of where the Philistines setting them there in the middle loose. And as they were set loose, they burned all the Philistines' grains and all their vineyards, and they now get upset. Wise man as well. You see wisdom. There's another story about Samson that I love. Does anyone know that one? This one's cool. Got so mad, I'm going to kill all these Philistines because they just burned down my house, burned down my wife. So he grabs the jawbone of a donkey, picks it up. So it's a big old jawbone. Looks kind of like a, like a, what's those things, a boomerang. And he goes to where the Philistines are. And with the jawbone of a donkey, Mr. Samson kills a thousand Philistines just with a jawbone. Ain't that cool? Those are just some of the stories. See, we know how the story ends off, though, right? How did the story end off? He meets a woman by the name of? Yeah. Yeah, Delilah. Any Delilahs in here? Anyone know anyone named Delilah? Hey, guys, don't ever call your daughter Delilah. Amen. It's not a good name in the Bible. Delilah's not good. All right, not good. She's going to be made fun of forever. Delilah, huh? Don't do it. Another good name, never tell your daughter. Anyone know any Jezebels here? 
No? No one's a Jezebel? Okay. Don't ever name your daughter Jezebel. Not a good name. Not a good name. But watch this. Hey, meet my daughter Jez. Jezebel? Yeah. And where's your other daughter? Delilah's right, coming right behind. That's bad. Not good. Not good. That's not good. That's not good. That's almost equivalent to saying, hey, that's uh, Judas and that's Lucifer over here. You're like, whoa, buddy. It's scary. Don't do it. All right, here we go. Let's get into the word. Sorry. Just having fun. All right, we all know how the story goes. He meets Delilah. And long story short, she tries three times to trick him to find out where his strength comes from. Come on, baby. Come on. I just slept with you and you're not going to tell me? Baby, I love you. Tell me this, the biggest secret in your heart, baby. How much do you love me? All right, you guys almost see the scene? If, it's, if you bound my hands with, with brand new ropes, if you blah, 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 blah. He didn't want to tell them because he knew that there was an oath that the day that you ever say where your wisdom comes from, the Bible, the, the Lord tells him, I will draw my strength out of you. So he doesn't tell her, doesn't tell her, doesn't tell her where his strength comes from. So she, scripture says that he was vexed. His spirit was vexed. Pretty cool word. But watch this. It means he was discouraged. You know what that means? Women, I'm not pointing at you today or nothing like that. You guys are awesome. My wife did great. I'm not even trusting. I'm not making fun of my wife for a long time. All right, but watch this. She did good this weekend. All right. But if you hear me say something about my wife, you just stand up and say, don't go there. Just don't do it. All right, just, just you're free to do that to me. All right, but watch this. You know what the vex means, discourage means? This woman is driving me nuts already. No man say amen. This woman is driving me nuts already. That's what that means. For the Spanish people, esta mujer me tiene loco, yeah. Loco is a good thing, okay? That's what was going on with Samson. The woman was driving him nuts. Not that you women do that. But she was driving him nuts, not to say, but at least. And as he's been driven nuts, she discourages him. And on the fourth time, he tells her, if you cut my locks, if you cut my hair, then I will lose my strength. So what happens? She cuts his hair. The Philistines come in. They arrest him. They, the Bible teaches, that, uh, the Bible says that they put out his eyes. If you studied the method, it wasn't just necessarily plucking like the History Channel shows. It was an actual burning of the eyes, that they would burn your eyes. You know what I like to look at it as? If you've ever been to one of those cars that have the, the smoking things that you, boop, you plug it in and it goes, and it pops out when it's red and you, you put it on. I never did that, but I saw people do it. And you put it on the cigar, that little thing. That, that's kind of what it was. They would put it on the eyeball. They would burn the eye out. They put the eyes out. So now here's Samson. He has no strength. He has no eyeballs, okay? And he has no more woman. And he has nothing else going good for him. And, and all this is done to him. And now he's made to be humiliated. I need you to catch this. I'm going to tie something together here. He's made to be humiliated, blind, without strength. As a matter of fact, Judges tells us that he becomes a grinder in the prison. You know what that is? The man who could not be bound. Have you ever read the story of Samson? There was one time they bound him to a stake with ropes, and he got so mad that he ripped the ropes off his hands. The Bible says it was like if it was wax coming off his hands. Wax. Oh, really? So now he's bound in the prison, grinding the prison floors, and people are walking. Hey, strong Samson, iron beer man, you're not too strong now, huh? And they're mocking him, and he can't see where it's coming from. 
because he's blind and they're humiliating him. The mockery that Samson went through. Think about that. What is this weak Jew, Samson, going to do now? Huh? You're going to kill us with the jawbone of a donkey? First off, you don't know where the donkey's jawbone is because you can't see, Samson. Think about that. Huh? What are you going to do? You're going to find me at my house? You don't know where I live because you don't have eyes. They were mocking him as he was grinding the prison floors. Mocking him. Come on, blind man. Do something. Hey, Samson, the Bible says they would say this. Our God... Weird God, half man and half fish. I don't want a God that is half man, half fish. That's weird. I have a true and living God that sits in his throne with power and authority. Amen? Come on, church, get alive. Amen? And here is Dagon, their God, half fish. Come on, make up your mind. What is your God? Is it a fish or is it a human being? It doesn't even know whether it's a man. They don't know what it is. And Where's your God? Our God, Dagon, is the real, true, living God, the so-called God of the Jews, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Where is he? He doesn't exist. And I started to read the story of Samson. Everyone, turn with me now to Mark chapter 15. And it reminded me of a story that you and I are very familiar with. In Mark 15, if you're there, just shout me an amen. All right, let's do this. Can everyone put their eyes on verse 16 with me? 15, 16. Watch this. So the soldiers begin to mock Jesus. Watch this. So the soldiers led Jesus away into the hall, and they called together the whole group, the whole garrison. They clothed him with purple. Everyone say not. Wow. Everyone say not. There you go. Definitely not to honor him, but everyone say this. Ready? Not. Okay. It was definitely to mock him. Not to honor him. So they put this purple linen on him. They twisted a crown. Everyone say not. Yeah, definitely not to honor him. And they put these thorns and they put it on his head. Let me tell you these thorns. They're not like little thorns that you pinch yourself and you buy a rose for your wife. It's not that. They are thorns that penetrate through your skull. Okay? Thorns. Big old thorns. Not pinch, but penetrate. So they put these crown. Oh, you're a king, huh? Let's make a crown. What's well, a crown of thorns? Not to honor. And they began to salute him. Everyone say not. Yeah, definitely not to honor him. But look what they began to say. They began to bow their knee. Everyone say not. Good. And they began to worship him. Everyone say not. Yeah, I want you to get it to your head. It was nothing about honoring him. And then they what? And then they what? Then they struck him. I told you it was a not. Let me tell you what struck him means. Then they punched him. How would you like that? Just me coming up to you, put a thorn in your thing, put a fake garment on, and just punch you. Hey, king. So they struck him on the head with a reed, and they spat on him, and they bowed their knee, and they worshipped. And when they mocked him, they took the purple off him, and they put his own clothes on him, and they led him to the crucify him. And then they compelled a certain man, Simon. And then Simon would help him in verse 21, it says here, to bear his cross. And they, they brought him to this place called what? Golgotha, which is a place called the place of what? Skull. My Jesus don't belong in a place of skull. He belongs in a place of, of worship and authority and praise and honor. How many of you can say amen to that? And they take him to a place of skull. And watch what it says in verse 23. They gave him wine. But look at the wine that they gave him because he was thirsty. It was a wine that was mingled up, that was mixed with myrrh to drink. And he didn't take it. That was disgusting. They mocked him. 
They couldn't even satisfy his thirst. Instead, they gave him something so sour that it would make you throw up. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine every man should take. Like if he's a joke. Hey, give me his sandals. Hey, give me his robe. I want his belt. This ain't a joke. You took the clothes of God incarnate. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? And they're playing gambling games with it. Woo, I got his sandals now, baby. Ain't a joke. And then it goes on, he says this. When the third hour, they crucified him. And watch this, 26. The inscription of this accusation was written. And what does it say? The king of the Jews. And they crucified two robbers, one on one side and the other on the left side. And the scripture was fulfilled. This is amazing. The same scripture that is fulfilled here is the scripture from Isaiah where it says this. And he was numbered with the transgressors. Man. And those who passed by, they blasphemed Jesus. They wagged their heads. And they began to say what? Ah, ah, aha, aha, you who destroy the temple. Woo, and you build it in three days. Woo, save yourself and come down from this cross. Ah, mockery. Everyone say not. Shouldn't have done that. 31, the chief priest also, chief priest should know better, come in and they begin to mock him. And the scribes, and look what they say. Here's Jesus. He saves others. But he himself can now what? Be saved himself. Not a good statement to make. Look at verse 32. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross so that we may see and believe even those who were crucified with him, reviled him. You know what that means? Jesus was hanging. Come on, Jesus, mighty king. If you're him, get off from that cross. And there was robbers on his side, and even one of them looked at him and says, despicable Jew. You're not God because if not, you wouldn't be on this cross and neither would I, you worthless pig. And I'm just using good language today. I mean, I use it every day, but <laughs> spitting on him from one cross to another, mocking his name, mocking his deity. And Jesus, the Bible says, on that cross did not say a word as the sacrificed lamb of God. Are you guys with me? Trust me, it, it ends off being an awesome story if you don't know the end. It's a real good story, I promise you. Two stories we just read, or we've talked about. In one, you have the Philistine people mocking and humiliating God's judge over Israel by the name of Samson. And in the other story, you have the Roman government and the Roman soldiers with non-believing spectators as well, mocking and humiliating, watch this, also God's judge over the world. Two judges, one in Judges 13 and the other one found in Mark 15, being humiliated and made fun of, one being Samson and the other one being the judge of this world, Jesus, Lord, Messiah, Christ himself. And if you look back at Judges 16, I need you guys to catch this. 
We're going to go rewind, fast forward, rewind. In Judges chapter 16, verse 23, back to Samson. It says, now the lords of the Philistines, they gathered together to offer up a sacrifice to Dagon their God. And to rejoice, and they said this, listen. Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy, the destroyer of our land. And then in verse 25 says, and when it happened, their hearts were merry. You know what merry went? They were drinking. They were a little drunk. They were a little tipsy. And they began to call for Samson. And they said, hey, Samson, Mr. Iron Beer Man, come on, perform for us. Show us your strength. Watch this humiliation. And Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand to where they were at in verse 26, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I could lean on them. And the temple was full of men and women. And all the lords of the Philistines were there. 3,000 men and women on the roof were watching as Samson performed. Everyone say not. Yeah, it wasn't to honor him. It was to make fun of him. Watch this. Then Samson called the Lord and he said, Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me just this once. Oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. He braced himself against them, one on his right, the other on his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed, watch this, the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his lifetime. Wow. I'm going to preach to you now. That was my introduction. Here it is. My message is short. My introduction was long, though. Where was the comeback? Where was the comeback? Because all I know is that Samson just died with his enemies. Huh? Huh? Because I don't see no comeback in this story. That's maybe what you might be saying today. Where's the comeback, Pastor Regal? Well, here it is. Samson's comeback came at the end of his life. And he accomplished his comeback with only one thing, through death. There was no way that Samson was able ever to come back if he first didn't experience death with the comeback. Come on, man. I'm going to get somewhere with this. You see, Samson destroyed more enemies with his last push than with any of his other pushes and even with his first push. So I read that in scripture and I want to tell the church one thing today. And this is a new life. That you still have another push in you. You can't give up. You can't surrender. You can't throw in the towel. You can't say I can't serve God anymore. And I can't be like this anymore. And I don't want to read my Bible anymore. There is still another push in you. But do you believe that this next push could be even greater than any other pushes that you've ever experienced before? I could talk to you a little bit about pushes, trust me. But, but let's not get about that. But, but you look here in, in, in Judges and then there's something about that push. That you want that miracle to break out. I could talk to you about a father that just saw a wife push for his miracle. I'm telling you today that there's a push in you that could bring forth God's greatest miracle out of you. 
But the Christian gives up at that last push when the miracle is about to come out. Here's Samson. He could have given up. He could have, oh man, come on, man. I need you to catch this. He could have said, take me to my house. Here I perform. Make fun of me. But he, he I feel like jumping off, man. He, he did not take the mockery of the Philistines. Listen, listen. Instead, he said, I need to do something about this. He said, young man, put me between the supports of this building. And he puts him between the two pillars. And Samson says, Lord God, just this once fill me with strength again so that I can destroy the enemies. And if let me die with them too. And he pushes one more time. And the building begins to shake. And you could almost see the people making fun of him. Ah, hey, what's going on here? What's happening? And he begins to push and blocks begin to fall and people begin to die. And in the midst of that, Samson dies with the people. And I read the story of Judges and I see something so special. And I see that Samson's greatest comeback was only able to be experienced if he was willing to be put to death. My God. So what is this story pointing to then? Because I want to tell you that there's still a push in you and you can't give up. But I have another set of a statement that I want to give you after that one. Because you all were like, amen, there's another push. My miracle's coming. Glory to God. Right? Right? Amen? But watch this. But what if I tell you that you need to die in order for this comeback to occur? Amen. Nope. Not going to happen. Because your greatest comeback is fulfilled in Scripture when Jesus says, He who wants to be my follower, let him pick up his cross and follow me. What the heck does that mean? It means die to yourself and come back and follow me. Samson was a prophetic story in the Old Testament. I was pointing to Jesus in the New Testament. That through one man's death brought his greatest comeback. And then we're going to come over here on Easter morning. We're going to celebrate the death and comeback of Jesus Christ. But how about the church? Because I believe there's another push in you. But I believe that next push is found only if you're willing to lay it all down at his presence. And say, today I'm willing to die with these Philistines. But let me come back. So my question to the church is, can you die daily? Can you die to receive your comeback? I'm going to end now real soon. I'm, I'm now I'm really done <coughs> as we close off with our closing off section. And it's found in Mark chapter 16. In Mark 16, as uh, I'll get Danny or someone up here to worship the Lord for a second. Play some music. In Mark chapter 16, if you're with me, can you all go to verse 1 with me? Here's Jesus. There was Samson. Fast forward. Here's Jesus now. He dies on the cross. Satan is having a tremendous party. Him and his demons are eating the choice meat of the day, drinking the greatest wine that was selected from the, gar from the vineyard. I'm making that up, but you get what I'm saying. And they're eating and they're living like big old kings because their enemy Jesus just died. One day passes. Ah, uh, this is all a lie, this whole little book. Two days passes, ah, uh, second day, come on, I told you it's not going to happen. 
He's not coming back. We killed him. Trust me. We made sure. But something happened on that third day. That's why we're here today, church. And this is why my message is titled, This is the Greatest Comeback of All Time. And here it is, Mark chapter 16. It says, When the Sabbath ended, Mary, and Mary the mother of James, they bought spices that they could come to anoint Jesus. Yeah, he's going to start smelling. He's going to start reeking. He's been dead now for three days. It's a good idea to take some porpory to the graveside of Jesus. Potpourri does miracles. Something's dirty, sprinkle some potpourri. Everyone thinks it's clean. Dirty tomb, throw a potpourri, clean tomb. So they take some potpourri. Verse 2. Very early in the morning, they came to this tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, well, who will? You could almost see this, right? They're taking potpourri to the tomb, but they forgot about, oh my gosh, we're two ladies. Who's going to roll the rock? We forgot to bring a guy with us. We can't roll that rock. That thing is heavy. So watch what they told one another. Chapter 16, verse 3 says, they looked upon themselves and says, who will roll away the stone so that we could walk in to give some potpourri to the body of Jesus? And then the other Mary was like, well, Mary, that's a good question because I don't know. You can't do it. We can't do it. You can almost see them, right? Oh, push harder, Mary. I'm trying, Mary. But something amazing happens. They get to the tomb. And the Bible says when they looked up. You could almost tell that they were like discouraged, right? You guys want to know what happened to me the day before my son was born? Thank God my son wasn't born yet. I get home. I drop some stuff up on my counter. I said, Nancy's going to come from work tired. She's pregnant. She's feeling a lot of pressure and I'm, I'm gonna take out the garbage before she comes in and reminds me I'm gonna make her happy so I kind of drop all my stuff as soon as I get home I walk outside sling the door and as soon as my door slang I went oh no I think I just locked myself out and I come in and it's locked and it's cold outside Wednesday night was a little chilly and I just came from working out so I had sweat and the wind the chill I was freezing and I got a wire and I tried to jam my door open to try to like break into whatever don't worry about that stuff but I tried to break into my house and it didn't work I tried to open every climbing things, trying to open stuff. I said, if someone sees, they can think I'm robbing this house. Finally, a long time after, um, someone came, opened the door for me. But I'll never forget, as soon as the door closed, I did one of these, ah, ah, and my first reaction was, <sighs> my wife is doing a presentation before she gives birth. There's no way I could call her and get the keys from her. I'm cold and sweating. I dropped my food off on the counter. I should have left the garbage here. I'm starving. I can't get in there. It's cold. It's night. What happens if, oh, by the way, my phone is in the house. I have told you that part. What happens if my wife calls me right now that she's having the baby? Now I'm not going to know if she's having the baby. And I'm just, watch this, watch this. It says, who's going to roll the stone away from us? share to your heart? Can I talk to your heart today? Have you had one of those moments? Have you had a moment in your life where you've done this? There's no hope. There's no hope for my marriage. 
son is never going to come back to the Lord. My job just fired me. It's a good one. A sign of no hope. Mary, who's going to open up the door for us? Mary, I have no idea. You know, we serve a God that in the Bible, it says that when you're in the valley, to lift up your head to the hills. And on the hilltop, to where your help comes from. Because if you live a life, you're going to miss out the glory that is set before you because you're so concentrated in the downer and in the loss of hope that you miss on the encounters of the blessings of his grace and of his miracles chapter 16 says after they had the moment verse 4 says but when they looked what you think the bible just has wordplay for like a coincidence there's a reason why Jesus allowed why God allowed these words he's saying church stop looking down start looking up that's not a problem that I can't fix it says that as they began to look up they saw that the stone had been do you get how frustrating that is you mean to tell me that what I was worried about for all these hours, it caused me to have a migraine. It was open the whole time. And Jesus is like, yeah, look up and stop focusing on the negative. Look up. Church, sometimes, sometimes your problems, sometimes your problems, it's all fixed just by you looking up to where your help comes from. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And the only reason why that's possible is because of what I'm about to share with you right now. Here it is. So the stone was rolled and it was very large stone, by the way. You know why? Because he wants you to know that he's not going to just fix your little problems, but he's going to fix your very large problems too. They, just like he could roll the little stones, he could roll the very large ones too. Amen? So it says here, they entered the tomb and they saw a young man and he was clothed, all beautified, okay? Godly garments because he's an angel here. And then he is, they looked at him and they were alarmed. Oh, you're not Jesus. Where's Jesus? And look at this. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. Yes, he was. But he is risen He's not here. See the place where they laid him? He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's not risen, so go home. If you finish reading the story, go home and take your potpourri with you and go tell Peter and go tell James and go tell John and go tell Doubting Thomas and go tell all those little boys who 
you're scared because Jesus is dead, that he's no longer dead, that Jesus is alive. Church, church, I'm telling you today that when you are in the valley, that when you are like Samson and you feel like there's not another push in you, die to yourself. Stop doing this and die to yourself and say, I no longer will worry about this, but I will look up to the cross and I will look up to my help and I will look up to the king who rose on the cross, rose from the dead and now lives with me. He's alive. He's alive and he is risen, church. He is risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He is risen. Do you know what the name Samson? I'm, I'm done. I have so many other notes. I'm not gonna watch, watch. I'm finished. But do you know what Samson means? The name Samson. The word is this, Shimshon. Shimshon means this. It means like the sun. It means sunlight. And then I look at the name Jesus. And the name Jesus means many things. And one of them is salvation, but one of them is also found in John 8, 12. When he says this, come on church. I am, who? I, Jesus, am like Samson, but a whole lot better. I am the light of this world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Samson means daylight, but I am the light of life. Wow. What the Old Testament was preaching to us, the New Testament was confirming it. Samson was like, I'm a light. And Jesus is like, I'm not a light. I'm the light. And I'm not just a daylight. I am the light of this world. Jesus, we're the light. Jesus is the light. When you want some light to hit your skin, what do you do? Come on, I've seen your posts on Instagram. You guys are sick. Yeah, I've been to my wife for the beach. What are you doing? I want to get tan on this part. What? Yeah, I got to switch now. Tell me when it's 15 minutes. You're crazy. You never met someone like that? I got to move my foot because I need this part to get tan. You're crazy. You seen those? How about those that take pictures? They want to make sure that you know they're at the beach. They do the kneecaps, do the nice little painted toes, and then bam, the beach. And then I'm at work, and I'm like, oh, I want to be at that beach like them. Ever been there? No one's ever been? I'm the only one? All right. But when you're in the light, what do you do? When you need light, what do you do? You reveal yourself to the light. So whether it's lacking light. Could get its color back. Receive its light. 
receiving the penetration of the rays of that light. And it will make the impact in your body that causes you to be different so that when you go back to work the next day, and we say, there's something beautiful about you. And you go, really? I don't know what it could be. And you know very well what it is because you stood in the light for hours waiting for that person to tell you, there's something beautiful about you today. And you're like, well, come on. What do you think it is? You got a sunburn, baby. That's what it was. You got a sunburn. And it's settling and it looked beautiful. But it would have never happened if you never would have revealed yourself to the light. And I'm telling you today that it's not but light, it's not no other light. It's the light of the world. Jesus Christ. He's risen. So he finds your dark moments and he does this. Let there be Can I do something that I did when we were living in, in homes? Every light off here. Every single light off in this room. Please, guys, behave. Behave. Act accordingly. We're in church. We're going to, warning for anyone that has attacks when we turn off lights, we're turning off lights. So I'm warning you. Ready? Turn off all lights. All lights off. Back lights. Close that door for me. Can we, turn? oh, forget the screen. Pretend the screen wasn't on. This is, amen. Still some light, but it's okay. You get the point. This was our lives. Dark, man. Ready? <sighs> There's no hope. Walking to the cross, walking to church another Sunday. Oh, Jesus, I'm just going to continue to be the same. My family's going to continue to be the same. But something that changed these women's lives forever was one thing, one word. Here it is. That they stopped looking down. Did you notice that when they look down, they never get to see what the miracle is before them? And as long as you look down, you never get to see what's before you. But the moment that you begin to look up, there's a Jesus, there's a God that we serve that doesn't like darkness. The Bible actually says that where there is darkness, light cannot be found. And where there is light, darkness cannot exist. And Jesus looks at the darkness of man and he says, no, I'm done with this darkness. Look up. Look up. And this is what happens when you look up. Ah, oh, the light of the world hits you. That's your cue. And now you have light. And Jesus saves you from darkness that you never have to live again in. How many of you today need to look up? How many today need to make the greatest comeback story? And you're able to do it because it's already been done by none other than Jesus Christ, your Lord. Look up. Look up. The light is shining. Not in my house. It's cloudy. It's raining. It's dark. Thundering. Shh. Look up. The light is shining. The light is shining. So how about if these are the words for you? Do not be alarmed, what the angel said. You seek Jesus who is risen. and He is not here. You want to know why Jesus is not in the tomb? Want to know why? Because he wanted a better sanctuary. He wanted a better temple. He's not here. He's here. The light has resurrected. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I haven't said that to you yet. Because I wanted to wait to the end. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Look up. The light 
is alive. Light is alive. Stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you just begin to worship you, Lord? Come on, church. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Come on, worship your God right now. Sin had left a losing sin. He washed it by the Jesus paid it. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you today because you're alive and you're risen. You are not dead and you're not defeated. But the light of the world has come to save all humanity. That we don't have to be like the Marys that look down, but like the Marys like that were looking up. That our hope comes from the light. That in our darkest moments, we could rejoice because the light is alive. Lord, we thank you because when darkness was overwhelming me, your light was so much greater. And I thank you because you're just not the light of a certain people and you're not just the light of a certain nation and you're not just the light of a specific thing. You are the light of all mankind. And I thank you because I'm part of that and I can receive that light when I'm hopeless, you're my hope. And I thank you. I thank you because you took the mockery and the shame. And you did it for me and mine. Because I'm loved. Church, can you admit that? I'm loved. Come on, I'm loved. And thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I didn't deserve it, oh God, but you loved me. I was smelly, but you loved me. I was dark, but you loved me. And I thank you for resurrecting because I too will one day resurrect to be with you forever. You are alive. With every eye closed, I want to close off in a final prayer. Is there someone here that needs hope, that needs light, that needs Jesus to just come alive? in their lives with every eye closed the last thing that i want is to humiliate you on easter morning but if that's you and you say god i need you today i look up you're the greatest comeback of all time and i need your touch with every eye closed with every heart open if that's you right now, can you lift up your hand and say, Pastor, God, 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 this is me. This is me. Amen. I see some hands. Anyone else? 
Anyone else just understand this is me? Anyone else? Praise God, I see your hands. Anyone else? No eyes open. Amen, I see your hands. Anyone else? God, this is me. I need your light. Church, I ask you to be courteous. Can you help me pray with them? Together as a church, and if you raise your hand, we're going to help you. Let's say this prayer and let's believe it. We confess it with our mouths, man, and believe it. Say this, say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. But Lord, thank you for not staying dead. Thank you for resurrecting on the third day. Because today, I have hope. Today, I have light. I pray that my life will never be the same. That your light will shine on me. And that I will be transformed from this day forward. I receive your light. Forgive me of my sins. As you resurrected, resurrect me. In Jesus' name. Can you give God some praise where you're at? Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One last time. Ready? One more time and we're done. Sing it, sing it, sing it. Sing it. Jesus made it all. All to Him my own. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Your love, Jesus loves you. Go live in the light. Amen. Hey, we got free lunch for you. When you walk out, get your lechon, get your whatever. It's all on the house. We love you. And we want you to go out here filled with the word and filled to your belly. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Your love. Happy Resurrection Sunday.